This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveller, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. Some women just move and shake in a way that's almost too impressive. Today's guest is one of them, managing to start not one, not two, but three companies in her 20s. I'm so excited to welcome Roxana Dante to the show today. She's the founder of the Lofty Lab, Equita Accelerator, and Orbis Learning. In 2017, Roxana was awarded on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. After hailing from a long line of doctors, Roxana knew all too well that some careers came with set, rigid pathways. While helping her parents care for their patients filled her with empathy and high ethical standards, Roxana knew she wanted to make a different type of impact. While helping her parents care for their patients filled her with empathy and high ethical standards, Roxana knew she wanted to make a different type of impact. This driving force would eventually take her out of Romania and across the world to the US and the UK. The challenges she faced, the people she met, and the lessons she learned combined to help her launch three incredible companies. I'm thrilled to talk to Roxana today about the stories, lessons, and triumphs behind each company she started. From struggling with imposter syndrome to choosing the right co-founder and breaking free from old patterns, Roxana tackles it all. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible Forbes 30 Under 30 listees. Okay, without further ado... Here is my conversation with the brilliant Roxana Dante. Roxana, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much. And welcome to UK. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here. Always love being back in in London. Definitely. Um, Great. So, you know, you and I connected recently over LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And when I looked into you and the amazing work you're doing in the ed tech and the future of workspace, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Of course. My pleasure. Of course. Amazing. Great. So for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so where should I start? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's quite it's quite a long journey. Um, so I'm a, an international serial entrepreneur. Um, I already lived in two other countries than my native one. Um, I'm quite versatile in terms of my industries. I've tackled from accelerators to ed tech to 
deep technologies now, um, which is a, a really interesting experience and a, a huge adventure. I love that. And when I when I saw that you were in the US for some time and then eight you know, years. Yeah, eight years, was yeah, it? Yeah, eight years. Wow. Yeah. This is what I want to dive into. It's it's fat it's fascinating. And now you're in the UK and you're building your businesses. It's I'm so excited to dive in. Mm-hmm. But before we do, I want to start with a question that okay. I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is where did you grow up? And how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Of course. Okay. So I am from a country called Romania in Eastern Europe from a city at the sea. Um, It's called Constanza. I'm from a a very long line of doctors. So (laughs) that uh, has uh, given me a lot of values. My life has uh, been built on uh, a strong foundation of empathy because since I was little, my parents were taking me with them uh, to the hospital or to their private offices and I would actually get to work with them and with their patients. Uh, My mom is a lung doctor, so I used to, when I was 14, 15 years old, I was in her office and I was dealing with patients and I was writing her charts and it was quite an interesting experience for me because I was learning how to talk to people from all areas of life or, um, you know, with all their backgrounds, with uh, different financial situations and definitely with some health reasons to be there, right? So um, it was a big exercise of empathy um, because at that point, the patient was the most important thing. I mean, that's actually life and the situations versus business. So it does put things into perspective a lot. Um, and because of them, I have very high standards of ethics. And um, it was always the, the idea that if you work hard and if you, you know, you really um, have respect for, the, for the, your work, you know, you're going to make it. And it was always about the patients. So that translated in my life. It's always about the users. <laughs> so and creating a relationship with that and, and a support system around that. Mm. I love how it's given you such values, you know, where you came from, what your parents have done. I think, you know, so many of us can get caught up in the day-to-day in, in what we want to do and what we want to achieve. And it's often, it's, it's those morals, it's those values that we come back to that ground us. So as a child then, you know, as you were in the offices with your parents, you know, with the patients and whatnot, what do you think that taught you about yourself and the world around you? Uh, well, there are, there are multiple angles, and uh, I do have to mention that they're coming from a very traditional business, right? And in the same time, when you become a doctor, you have a way, a way that is set for you from the very beginning. You can turn a left or a right, um, and, it, and it's quite, you know, for some, it's very liberating because it's very clear what you have to do. For some, you have to put a lot of boundaries and rules around that. So you can't do this. You can't do that. For me, it was the second option. Um, I learned that, you know, you have a craft and you can really become the, uh, an expert in your domain. But in the same time, it's really good to, to 
explore the paths that have not been explored and see what you can do there and how you can innovate. So um, in Romania, um, a few years ago, the market was still a public market for for um, medical, for healthcare. Um, but my parents and uh, two other partners from my city uh, were very adventurous and uh, were the risk takers. So they created the first uh, private maternity. Wow. It was one of the first private maternities in Romania, actually. So that was uh, for them a very, uh, you know, a difficult journey. A difficult journey because it was an untapped, uh, you know, scenario over there. And it was, uh, I remember when they used to go and uh, try to raise money from the banks and uh, nobody wanted to do that because it was, you know, there's so much risk involved and it's just not the model in in this market. So because of that, you know, now when they have, uh, so much success and uh, you know the um, revenue and everything and how many customers they have they speak for themselves so right now everyone wants to uh, come and have a piece of that <laughs> um, but yeah it just showed me you know you have to practice and you have to develop your craft you have to find that thing that motivates you and fuels you because as a doctor for example and as an entrepreneur you have days when it's very hard so you have to find that spark inside that drives you forward. And at the same time, you should not be afraid to just be incredibly creative and go, you know, this is not the pattern. There's no pattern here. There are no rules. I'm going to invent my own rules. So, yeah, that, that definitely inspired me. But for my, my parents, it was a difficult... Uh, when, I, when I told them, you know, I made a decision, they were incredibly supportive through it, that I don't want to pursue, you know, I don't want to become a doctor. Um, and why not create something that I can inspire five doctors, I can invest in the medical uh, technology side, and at, uh, in my turn, you know, help other doctors to help their patients. So I, I would have more impact like that. Um, and I think me becoming more in, and more involved in actual the creation of the, the hospital, that showed them that spirit that I had, you know, that calling. So it's not something that you can force. It just comes out of you. So they realized that, I, they, you know, they can put that into a leash or create too many patterns or rules around that. So I had to break free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. And I, it's something we talk a lot about on the show, that idea of just, you know, almost breaking free from those expectations, you know, that we put on ourselves and that potentially, you know, our parents or, or those where we grew up or whatever it is that, that we've just taken on our backs. I find that really interesting. Okay, so how can we, how can we learn to break free? Mm. Um, well, I think there are, I had I had a bit of both. So I had the support in the same time, but I also had the reluctance. Um, because Romania is a post-communist country. When I left Romania, um, the entrepreneurship was not as developed as it is now. So uh, you can imagine when I want to say, you know, I want to become an entrepreneur and I want to build my business. In Romania at that time, the situation was very different and you know you I uh, that saying uh, you know you had to get your hands dirty to mm. create something of value and um, 
I moved to, to, uh, to, to university in the capital city in Bucharest, and over there I uh, studied international business and administration, and I worked in a, um, a volunteer group for entrepreneurship, and that was one of the main experiences that taught me so well because it was learning by doing. Mm. So you were doing so much, um, and that showed me, you know, there was a group of people that were saying, why are you wasting your time? Why are you not in school? And on the other hand, there were the people who are saying, you found yourself a calling, you should really go for this because, you know, there's the system that just creates people who have a job, but they, you know, they follow a path that is not going to be too fruitful for you. So you have to find your way. And my way was not in Romania at that time. And I moved to um, Stanford to Stanford University where I did uh, applied mathematics um, and that's where I found a very challenging environment mm-hmm. but one that offered me you know I tested myself so much that you know you, you have to find your partner in yourself so I got mm-hmm. out of my own way uh, which was quite a difficult thing to do um, and I gained the confidence to become who I actually am mm-hmm. How can we learn to get out of our own way? What did you do when you were in the States? You just come from Romania, you'd grow up there, you know, you grew up there, your family's from there, you're successful doctors, you know, how you come to a place where no one knows who you are, you know, what what do you do? You know, talk to us about that time there. Yeah, well, um, that was probably the one of the most difficult moments of my life because I had my in my first three months I was so proud of uh, you know I'm at this fantastic place I'm going to take all the most interesting classes honestly I was taking those classes because for me they were just incredibly exciting and it was my god I'm going to learn so much from this but I didn't quite realize that I'm going to be with PhD or master student level um, uh, people in my class you know But I actually didn't even, you know, I've never heard of uh, classes like these back home in Romania. So that was one thing. The other thing was, it was quite interesting that when I said I'm from Romania, I started to get used to saying I'm actually from Eastern Europe. Because I didn't know where Romania was from. (laughs) So, um, and, and, you know, by chance, I took all the math-focused classes where I had very much, a lot of individual work. So it was, that didn't help at all. (laughs) And it was quite a, it was quite a change because um, I, I, I was, uh, I had the thing called the imposter syndrome that everyone has, you know, and it was quite interesting because in the orientation day, I remember at Stanford uh, being told, you know, everyone has the imposter syndrome. You are not the only mistake that you are not a mistake. You know, the admissions committee made a decision. You are here because you should be. Mm. Um, So that was, that was interesting. Um, But I will always remember that I was in my first class with kids from Harvard with kids from MIT with kids from I don't know Columbia and I would be so where are you from um well I'm from Romania first um and a school called the Academy of Economic Studies and they were where is that you know oh Eastern oh okay okay so it was at the beginning it was a ton of pressure 
a ton of pressure because I've always been incredibly driven. And um, I don't, I, yeah, my motivation comes from myself. I don't wait for someone to push me and um, I don't want to prove anything to anyone. It's about myself. So that was quite a, an identity shock because uh, I was doubting everything. Um, so, but now I look at it as such an important lesson because I was able after that to put myself back together. I, uh, the classes, I uh, got straight A's and stuff. So it didn't matter. Uh, but I was so focused on, you know, getting that right that I forgot, you know, I'm in a fantastic environment with the people that I look up to, with oh, the innovators. In, you're in the epicenter of technology. I mean, get out of the room, you know, start connecting with people, start learning their, their life stories, you know, connect with them. And that was... That was the first thing that happened. I um, uh, started taking a class uh, called Entrepreneurial Marketing, and um, there was a professor there called Tom Kosnick, who was an incredible connector. And uh, he was one of the mentors in my group. Um, and he kind of took me under his wing and uh, took me as a teaching assistant because he realized I was actually very good, but you know I just didn't have the confidence to assume that. Um, so I taught with him for the first three months and that's when it all happened. You know, I was very focused on my craft um, and I was incredibly organized. Uh, we had one of the biggest classes in Stanford at that time. Um, it was a summer school that we were co-teaching and um, I actually found my first co-founder there. She was one of the sponsors in the class and I was the teaching assistant and um, Tom just put two and two together and said, you know, you two should meet. And that's how it all happened. And honestly, it was just a, such a whirlwind that, you know, I, I don't even know how it happened. But if I wouldn't have had that lesson about myself, I don't think I could have made it to the point that I'm here. So while I've, I've had a lot of challenges, and I think any entrepreneur has the challenges, you have to really appreciate them. And uh, it's not, uh, you know, it's not about self-harm. It's about you when you're low and everything is not going your way. You should really reflect a little bit because those are the stuff that are going to help us tremendously next. I couldn't agree more. And I think that so many of us shy away from the hardship, the times where it's really difficult and we're just like, we want this to go away, you know. And in fact, as you said, it, it's really that time there that can teach us so much about where we're going, about the situation we're in. So talk to us, talk to us a little bit about when you found your co-founder that time there, how did you then progress to, to actually starting this first business. I'm thinking it was Equita, uh, yes, the accelerator. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Accelerator while you're in San Fran. Talk to us about that time there. Um, well, so I was in the are uh, almost the target market for for that business because Equita was designed to help women entrepreneurs develop businesses. And we had one of the case studies was that in Stanford, we have so many women in PhD or masters who are doing the dissertations. They have all have research of some sort, but there's a point where you need a business person to help you move from a, create from an idea to an actual product that is sellable. Um, and that's where we realized that there's so much potential. 
you know, women are an untapped market of potential kids the same. So we, we, we decided that this is the right thing to do. Um, we had another co-founder at that time. We were three in the, in the, uh, leadership team. Um, and it, it was, you know, we, we had a launch event and it was amazing. And then we were working with startups and it was, I mean, it's one thing to, we were a boutique accelerator, which means that we actually had time to work with the startups, um, directly. And on the other side, we were building our own startup. So you can imagine the challenges on that side, right? Uh, bring money in for us, but bring money in for the startups. So that was quite a, a, a very complicated experience in itself. I also had school in the same time. So I was still teaching assistant uh, in one of the classes. I was still uh, doing my own studies and doing the startup. And that, so that really impacted, you know, my time. And I've ne- I knew from the first time when I arrived in the U.S. that U.S. is going to be the moment I focus. And it's... Uh, Sometimes it's it's a bit difficult because you have to you have to prioritize like everyone else and you have to say I have time for this and I don't have time for that and everyone should own that because uh, there will be times when friends will say you know you're ignoring this side I'm doing that for for a reason and and but you should be incredibly transparent with that because that that's one of the lessons that I learned I put aside a lot of sides of my own life and uh, just owning that decision is quite an important thing. Um, but um, the startup was, the first startup was an incredibly valuable experience because we were learning with the startups, but we were learning ourselves as well. Um, one of the co-founders left and then it was left with just me and, and uh, Anna Maria. Um, we were a great team and we created a lot of educational programs. That's where actually I started to um, really expand my, my mind on what I can create for a startup and what I can do in terms of partnerships and how, what is my angle in terms of um, business models. And uh, um, that, was a, that was a very successful experience until a point where me and my co-founder just weren't on the same, um, we weren't on the same direction. So we weren't sharing the same values anymore. So there comes a time when if the foundation is not right, then you should not do it because, you know, a startup has to have the the most solid foundation. I think that's so telling for just any situation you're in, whether it's a job or whether it's a a relationship, whether it's a new business. I think, you know, if the foundation isn't there, if you're not on the same wavelength as the other person or as the company you're working for, it's it's not right. But what I find interesting is that so many of us just keep going. We go, you know, the company we work for, ah, it's, they're not on the same wavelength. I don't really feel connected, but it brings in money every month. And, you know, why not just continue? And then we find ourselves five years later in the same job. You know, how can we get out of our heads a little bit and get out of these patterns that hold us back? What advice do you have on that? Um, my mistake in, in this startup was that I was always keeping myself in line and always keeping myself accountable but I was not doing the same for the others. 
And that's one one thing that I honestly believe it stemmed from the education that I had in, in my society, not me and my family. That was, you know, you have to follow the people who are older than you. You have to follow the ones who you think might know more. This, it was more of uh, what you think inside. Maybe you shouldn't always listen to that. And the lesson in this, first of all, always listen. Because when you when you have a doubt... You, there's a reason behind that doubt and you should always be incredibly self-aware and an, analyze that. But you should always um, be, you know, uh, faithful to yourself as well and not, I mean, okay, I'm keeping myself in line and in check, but also to keep the other ones. And that, that was one of the main things that um, it was a great lesson because I didn't have anything to lose from that. But if the stakes were higher, then I would have had a problem. So I think, yeah, keeping, keeping yourself and the other ones in check, but having fair values for, for yourself and for the others is quite, it's really important. I couldn't agree more. And I think sometimes we put we're harsher on ourselves. Absolutely. We, yeah. And we're just like, oh, you know, why aren't we? And then we forget about everyone else. And then, yeah. and then you know, here we go around in a circle. But I think, I think that's so valuable. Okay. So after this first venture, after the accelerator and you decided to move on from that, I saw that you headed back to the UK or headed over to the UK. Not yet. Oh, <laughs> not yet. Okay. Talk to us about the transition between that and, and coming to the UK. Yeah, well, we're, I'm going back to the, the part when you said, you know, it's a pattern that uh, you, you fall into this trap and five years later, you're still in this trap. So what do you do? Um, one thing that I did was uh, doing Krav Maga, if you can imagine. It's an Israeli self-defense uh, technique that uh, you can practice and it's amazing. Um, it's not a martial art, but it, some consider it like a martial art. Um, I, uh, it was my own model of therapy because um, while that, you know putting your body through such a strenuous training you weren't thinking of anything else so for that one hour two hours of training your mind was completely empty and you had room you know to bring more and actually analyze so that was one of the things that I, I, I did to help me in transitioning figuring what is the problem how I want to handle it, what have I done to get there, and what can I learn, you know? Because the last, the last year, or half a year, um, was very toxic. So you have to know yourself and put, put, put some checks along the way and some questions for your own self when you're in a, in a situation that it's, it looks similar and figure out, okay, am I in the same situation? What, what should I do? Um, so I, I never take stuff for granted and um, I, I don't want to, you know, we don't have that much time, so I don't want to waste my time. I only want to fill it with people who are loyal, who have the same vision, who are focused, you know, driven. And uh, yeah, I, I don't want to waste my time. So I decided with the Krav Maga thing because it was really, it wasn't just a, a, a body exercise, it was a mental struggle you know and I was fighting with myself and it was quite a it was one of the most you know exciting and interesting and challenging experiences in my mind um so that was incredibly helpful um so making any entrepreneur should have some time to reflect in any kind of way and that that was mine 
it helped me put everything into perspective. So after that, I learned a ton about the education market. And I almost started this business without realizing because uh, one thing that my parents did uh, through, you know, among others that they did really well was they sent me to summer schools abroad when I was very little. So I, I still remember that at 14, I think I was still 13 to 14, yeah. Um, I came for my first summer school here, um, one hour, two hours away in Cambridge for two weeks. And that was, you know, the first time I saw a completely different um, education system, a completely different relationship between students and professors. And it was such a, you know, it was a breath of fresh air. And that changed me. And uh, after that, I went to Montpellier, I went to Morocco, I had a lot of other experiences where I just uh, experienced firsthand, so it was learning by doing, um, how other systems in the world interact in terms of education. And this was incredibly helpful because in the U.S., um, while some people have access to incredible quality of education, some don't. And um, in my country, I remember when I was little, I did uh, six, seven hours of computer science every, every week. And I was asking my professor, you know, why do I use this sorting algorithm? What, what's the purpose? I, I don't get it. And they were not able to tell me why. So I, I was that kid in classes that was, I, what am I going to use this for? So I found that the same problem uh, happened in the U.S., so I said, you know, I, I see the trend in terms of education. I see that, you know, more people will have access to education. But education is supposed to open the world in a different way, to, to um, be a break from the systems and to offer you a better life, right? So um, I realized that I have the power to redesign how education is created in the US and the method in how you teach someone. So um, I was looking at what ages would be appropriate for my startup to, you know, to address. And it was quite interesting because there were some data um, by Girl Scouts and um, they were saying, you know, in elementary school, 94%, and I, I, these are not the accurate, uh, I don't remember them by heart, but 94% of uh, girls are interested in STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, but then almost 70% drop it in middle school. So what happens, you know, and it's the societal issues, you know, and it's also system issues. Um, and I was tackling exactly that. It was a new method with a new curriculum, and the curriculum was based on entrepreneurship because entrepreneurship really stretches everything every cell in your body and your mind and makes you think in a problem-solving, cri critical thinking way and you, you're questioning everything, you're discovering and you're solving problems creatively. So it was a program um, for the first phase of the startup and then I want to create an artificial intelligence that can guide the student through a, almost a classroom experience because uh, we have this trend of putting all the courses in all the languages available online for you to take which is absolutely fantastic but in the same time we don't have an experience so those classes are not actually taken fully so um, I was trying to solve exactly that problem 
that's where I was also um, nominated into Forbes 30 under 30. That was the that that was my big uh, uh, mind bo- uh, mind baby. So um, that I, I um, that was also a very difficult experience because uh, one of the challenges that I had is uh, the new administration came into the U.S. and changed uh, the um, rules around visas. Mm. <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes. Uh, <laughs> so um, I'm not going to comment on any political situations or anything like that. It's just that for entrepreneurs, that was quite a hard uh, thing to happen because we were there creating jobs, helping the society over there, you know, creating so much value um, that, you know, you, you just didn't think that you have to think about that while also building your startup. And I found my you know, ideal investor. There was this guy who, I'm not going to mention him, um, but he, um, a former investor uh, who had two kids and he, after he took a break from uh, uh, his crazy life, he wanted to see what his kids are learning in school. So um, he went to to find out in, in some of the classes and he realized that none of the skills that the kids were taught would actually help in their life. So he um, invested for two years in a documentary around the U.S., to see what what's happening, you know, what what are the the things that make other people, you know, successful, and um, I I was able to reach him, and uh, it, it was a six months worth of me emailing, and you know, when you don't receive emails, sometimes you can be a little bit demotivated and depressed, you know, because you want that the right person who shares exactly the same vision and who honestly he was uh, doing some interviews and I felt like I I heard myself talking you know and it was that's that's the right guy um and there're good and bad things around this I'll touch on that later but um I uh, pursued him for 6 months and finally he answered to me and he said you know it was the most uh, uh, pleasing experience because you know you persuaded me into responding so fantastic um, but the challenge here with that was that uh, he was all in and everything was going great and legally and everything was good uh, but uh, what happened was that my visa situation got derailed So, um, and it was uh, blocked for some time because we, they didn't know what the new rules are around the visa criteria. So I had to move to the UK. So I had to pause on that. And the investor said, when you come back, the money's on the table, but come back first. And uh, um, honestly, that was, uh, he was such a great guy and I understood exactly what he meant because um, first you have a startup that has its own risk, but then you have a entrepreneur, you know, the founder has its own risk. And then, you know, you have to figure it out first. Mm. Wow. I think it's, it's so interesting hearing your story. And I think there, there have been so many points of your life where it's almost been like a double double no you know it's been like oh this happened but then on top of that I was also this and therefore it was really difficult and it's people didn't want to whatever it was and I think it's just what I find so interesting about you is your ability to just keep 
your chin up and to just make it work and to just yeah. keep going. I think that so many of us coming back to the becoming demotivated thing that you mentioned, so many of us can just become so demotivated by the constant grueling no or you cannot. And I I think it really takes a strong person to, to kind of push through that. What advice would you give around being able to push through that no barrier, regardless of how many times it, you know, you feel like you're getting hit with it? You know, what advice would you give? Um, it's just noise, honestly. Um, if everyone could do it, then everyone would do it. But it's not like that. Um, and it's not that uh, we're different. It's, it's no entrepreneurship or entrepreneurs are not a different a different species. It's not about that. It's just we have different callings, and uh, we just try like to have our to make our own path and uh, to we're a little bit more courageous and definitely risk seeking, and uh, we have to bet on ourselves. And I have to say, these really difficult situations help you in becoming that person who. I can hear a hundred no's. I'm still going to do it if I feel every cell in my body says that you should do it. So um, you can be put down by everyone and uh, you can still continue. And this is exactly that. You know, you bet on so many things in, in you bet on so many other people, but do you actually bet on yourself? And it's only fair to, to try that. Um, and w- only until you fully do that, then you have the success that that you're dreaming of. But if you're doing half-hearted, then you're not going to be able to get there. So well said. So well said. Okay, so I'm mindful of the time, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, this is so interesting. Roxana, I'm so deep into this with you right now. And I want to just discuss a bit more about your time moving to the UK after that and, and then what that meant for your business and what that meant for you personally. So talk to us a little bit about that. Um, so there are the good parts and the, the, well, not the bad parts because looking back, I see it was right to do it. But I, I, at the beginning, I said, you know, I started my journey in UK with when my mind exploded when I landed over here and I went through such a innovative way. You know, it was a different way of life here. Um, so I always was fascinated with London. I, I know this city better than I know my own capital city, honestly. Um, and it's quite funny because my, my family shared the love for it as well. So um, uh, my fiance was also from here. So it, w- it was, you know, it, clearly I would have moved to the UK. Um, but the, the, the bad part, I could say, um, was, you know, me doubting my own skills and me trying to get into those societal norms, right? So I tried to put myself in a box and I applied to some jobs, which was incredibly difficult, I have to say. <laughs> Honestly, it was because it wasn't fun at all. You were trying to put, you know, what what does an entrepreneur do best? You know, he, they do everything, right? Because you have to. So narrow yourself down to one small bucket and try to market that. And um, uh, I was a bit disappointed when I when I started interviewing because I ask a lot of questions. I am I you know I want to know. I want to be involved. You know, throughout my eight years, I had so many startups who I still advised. So you know, I was very I, I like to be involved. So that wasn't a good thing. 
And that was, uh, are you trying to get my job? Are you trying, what are you trying to do here? You know, I was looking at smaller startups, but I also was looking at different companies, also investment groups. And it was, it was just such a difference in culture. Until a point when um, I, I, I'm just that kind of person who, if you have a problem, I talk to you, I give you my ideas, I have absolutely no problem with that. So I did that and uh, I got a contract. Um, they wanted to start working with me on a digital transformation project. And I was, wait a second, but you know, I don't have a company to, to do this, right? So all of a sudden I had another company who wanted uh, me to help on building a app for kids for a football um, for the football industry here in UK and uh, I said wait a second you know all these contracts are coming to me they're all technology related they're playing right in my courtyard because you know everything that I've done was in, was in such different industries so I'm I'm versed in in a lot of them so I said okay so let's create a tech lab mm-hmm. you know and uh, I started that in uh, June last year, um, after some intense soul searching about this thing of trying to be put in a box, but I can't fit in a box. So somehow life, you know, finds a way and, and still directs you to the, you know, this is your path. It's, uh, nobody's on that path, but it's yours. So you should, you should take that. Um, and, uh, I started this tech lab and I'm saying lab, not consulting because consulting, you know, I'm telling you what to do, but in my lab, we're actually doing it. Um, and it's it's been quite a journey because uh, in January my my fiance became a partner as well, and right now we have too many contracts in the same time, and there are more coming. And uh, we honestly, so we created this company based on the need of the companies that were coming to us. So again, it was such a, we didn't even think about it. It made money from day zero. Um, So, you know, and now we're expanding that. And uh, we have our portfolio that is US, UK, and Romania, and it's, it's going great. But, you know, you have to have these challenges to, to get to the point that you should be. <laughs> oh, I love it, Roxana. And your story is the epitome of that. It's, I went to go look for a job. The next minute, you know, that wasn't working out for me. So Yeah, clearly. Yeah, clearly. Exactly. <laughs> so then, you know, and then there you go, the path. It, it, my path showed again. It yeah. was almost like, oh, this is what I should be doing. Yeah, and it, it's quite funny because you can you go to a job interview and they ask you, so <laughs> tell me about yourself. Well, I'm an entrepreneur. Well, okay. this is not the right place for you to be at, yeah, right? Exactly. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. Oh, Roxana, we have had an absolute blast. I so appreciate you and I want to take a moment just to acknowledge you. Thank the, you. For the phenomenal work you've done over the last seven to ten years of your life, you know, from Romania to the US, now back to the UK and all the challenges you've overcome. I think you're a story and you as just a person, you really do show us that if you keep going, if you, you know, keep your chin high and if you just keep knocking at that door, at one, you know, at some point it will open. And so we really appreciate you for that. Thank you so much. Of Thank course, you. of course. Great. So, I want to finish up with our final question, which is how we finish all of our interviews here at okay. The Beans Project. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Hmm. 
quite a quite a difficult uh, question. Ah, well, I mean, all the inventions were created by people who were too crazy to be followed at the beginning, right? So to be able to have your calling and to be able to follow that passion and that inner fire that you know you cannot put down is incredibly important because that's how the, the biggest creations, the biggest innovations, you know, you have to have someone who is crazy enough to, to believe and to jump without a parachute and, and take a leap of faith. So I, I, I completely believe that everyone has their, that fire. Um, and if, if we try to put that out, then the, the world will sit still. And that is, uh, that's a big danger. That's a big, big danger. And uh, that's why I'm almost going back to the education market because, you know, how we teach kids right now, we are trying to put them into these patterns and we don't want that fire to be put down. We want, we, we, you, know, you know, we need more oxygen for that fire. We need more people who are courageous, who are dynamic, who are adapting fast um, because the world is moving fast and we need minds who can create we need minds to push us forward um, so if we don't follow that then that's the danger but um, through through people like you we give voice to the people who are crazy enough to do to do stuff like these so showing them that it's possible showing them that everyone has challenges everyone has started from you know point zero it's incredibly important Oh, so well said. Roxana, ladies and gentlemen, we've had an absolute blast. Where can people learn more about you and your work? Well, actually, um, we will have a tiny bit of break, so we will do our website finally. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, break I'm glad we, we got here for a year and, and a bit without needing to, to market ourselves in any way. That That's quite a, yeah, that's a, that's an achievement. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I'm, you can find me on LinkedIn or any social media platforms. Yeah, perfect, perfect, easy. Oh, thanks so much, Roxana. Thank you so much for inviting me. This has been so great. Of course. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Piers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Piers to Piers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. <laughs>